Is it true? There you have it. That's my homily. I'm going to walk off now. Happy Mama's Day, Mamas. We love you. We love how you bring the faith to us and how you are not threatening in that and so profoundly gentle but strong and powerful and lead us in the heart of the Son of Mary, Jesus. Did you know, well, first of all, uh, moms, we have a, a treat for you, a gift at the end I want to give to you, slash we. So uh, please come out back, and we want to present you with a gift at the end of Mass. Only if you're, you don't goof off, because if you're goofing off, but, and I think about that, it's like, that's the exact opposite of what a mother does, right? She doesn't goof off. She is working to just even being pregnant to give birth and all uh, just her resource and the fierce love that she has for that child within her, in her womb. I don't think there's a greater human love on earth because a mother physically feeds and grows this life within her. So kudos to mom. Did you know mom spelled upside down as wow? Wow, mom. Let's give our moms a hand. Wow. I was praying this last week about my own mom, and I was missing her. When you lose a mom as a priest, it's, you kind of lose a lot of your family. And you know she's my hero. You know how much she poured out, eight boys, given her life. And I was just really touched in prayer and three adjectives that the Holy Spirit gave me real quickly were constancy, closeness, tenderness. And then I was just praying and this sentence came to me. Mom, I'll be home for dinner. That means that life is really short and there's a dinner celebration at the eternal banquet that she's waiting for me for and I want to be obedient to that revelation, that love. Is it true Is God loves us? like that, like my mother poured out, and it's just the itty-bitty of what his love is for us all. So I juxtapose that against a girl who came up to me after a Steubenville Youth Conference. I spoke at many of those around the country in, in San Diego for years, and she came up to me a year after she'd been there a year previous, and she pulled up her sleeve, showed me her wrists, how she'd been cutting herself because she wanted to feel something. She wanted to feel love. And I just think about that for our youth and our not-so-youth. They don't know. They don't know it's true. And she goes, Father John, I'm finally starting to believe I'm loved, and it's helping. As she showed me the scars on her wrist, 
Now, if you think anything's more important than knowing that, it's not. And that's why we're here. And that's what the cross is all about. Is it true? The heart of our faith is a deep truth that we are unconditionally loved by God. John 14, 21. Whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. To pray for that revelation of Jesus to us all. But wait. Do you really mean the God of all, the God of everything, loves this precocious, intense, energetic, vulnerable little boy in, in Sublimity, Oregon? How could he ever see me there? Let me ask you a question that I've been thinking about a lot. True or false? Do you believe that a majority of the eight plus billion people on earth know that they are loved by God? True or false? A majority, that means anything over 50%. What do you think? I think that's very false. So many people sit in the pews at church each week, maybe don't know. And that's what we're praying for this day, that revelation. I mean, Christianity is only a third of the eight billion people. The other two-thirds of religions, they don't believe in a God who loves and forgives and has died for us on the cross and become one of us. Can you imagine how foreign that thought would be? How far away that reality would be from them? Here's a beautiful quote from our Pope, Pope Francis, that just came across. We are in the midst of a love story. And if we don't understand that, we understand nothing of what the church is. If we don't understand that, that we're in the midst of a love story, we don't get an ounce of church because that's all it is. His love poured out as blood on the cross. And we say yes or no to it each and every waking moment of our lives. And this is the decision that's before us always, my friends. We're in the midst of this love-soaked story that is called life on our journey. And sometimes we can feel like it's a billion miles away, and Jesus wants it right in the center of our heart, because he says, I will reveal myself to you if you love me, if you put everything else above me, money, soccer, travel, even your spouse, because I am your first love. And that's the way it works. And when you love me first, everything else will fall into place. Why? Why is it so difficult to believe that it's true? There's many reasons, but rarely, if ever, we experience unconditional love in this depraved world. Mostly we experience love with conditions, even those closest to us. Our parents love us better when we don't mess up. Our teachers love us better when we behave and perform well. Churches love us better when we don't sin and fall off the track. Friends love us better when we are successful and not needy. The world loves us when we are more attractive. 
when we put up on our makeup and our nice clothes and we impress. Spouses love us better when we don't disappoint them. Mostly in this world, we have to measure up in some way to be loved. And we know that that is not God's economy. That is not God's way of relating to us. Moreover, we've been wounded. Think of a wound growing up. I can think of many. Something, maybe a parent or a coach or a teacher or someone, a friend, something they said or did. Think of that. Maybe we've been traumatized or maybe abandoned, and it cuts deep, and it keeps rearing its ugly, condemning head, accusing. But we say in our gut, this isn't right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not matching up with what I know in the deep recesses of my soul, that I'm made in God's image and likeness. I am special. I'm beautiful. I am lovable. Why don't you just say that after me right now? I am lovable. I am beautiful. I am special in his eyes. That is why when we get hurt, we so easily become angry and enraged when someone violates our dignity or puts us down. But how do we let ourselves believe we are unconditionally loved in a way that would make us less insecure in our attitudes and our actions? How do you live in the sure confidence that you are loved and take risk in sharing that in the way that we treat ourselves and others? Good news, friends, we're doing it. We're doing it here. It's happening. We're entering into relationships. We're practicing religion. Remember from Easter what religion means? We bind ourselves together. We go arm in arm, and we don't let anybody fall off of sunset cliffs. Amen? We bind ourselves to each other. We don't let anybody get away. No one's going to be lost. We practice. If you call yourself a practicing Catholic and you aren't here every Sunday, stop lying. A practicing Catholic at the very minimum comes to Sunday Mass and other things as well. They give to the church, monetarily, time. So just do a favor for all of us in the world and don't lie. If you're going to be a practicing Catholic, you're here. And it's not a penalty. It's an invitation to revelation. It's an invitation to the God of the universe who knows you and knows your name and says, I want you here because you belong to me. You don't belong to the world. You belong to me. And I call you by name. We bind together because we want to keep our nose to the fire, the fire of divine love in the Eucharist, in the sacraments. We become reconciled. Do you know what reconciliation means? You know me. I love etymology. It means eyelash to eyelash. Do you know why I like it here? Because I know so many of your stories. Not that I got dirt on you, but that I experienced the mercy of God coming in to our woundedness. <laughs> I like the dirt a little bit. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't know your heart. How can I love you? 
If we don't know each other's heart in church, this is a loveless affair. We're abject of love. Enter in. Practice. Intimacy. Eyelash to eyelash. That's where revelation happens. It doesn't happen by punching a ticket. Punching an hour ticket. Do you know how far away punching an hour ticket is away from the eternity of God's love that he's giving to us in this Eucharist? How close he wants to be to us? If we don't feel he's close to us, whose problem is that? He's moving in our hearts right now. I see it. The Spirit's with us. Just say yes. Just say, I'm going to practice this. And the more I practice and practice and practice, practice makes perfect. And that's his only desire for us, is that perfection of love. How are we going to do this? There's no easy answers. For the wounded soul, like a wounded body, there are no magic wands that you're going to give quick, easy healings for. It takes a lifetime. Biblically, however, there's an image that, while confusing on the surface, addresses this. When God gives Joshua in the Old Testament instructions on how to move into the promised land, he tells them once there, he must quote-unquote kill everything there, all the men, the women, the children, and the animals. Wow, are you serious? How would God command that? Taken literally, this text is horrible and speaks about everything that God is not. Yet this is not a literal text, but archetypal one. It's an image. It's a metaphor. And again, I refer to Alcoholics Anonymous, which is so Catholic in its spirituality and gets at the heart of things. That's why I refer to it, because it's so on. Sometimes I wish I could change church into an AA meeting for a while so we would get real, that we just lay it out there so that God could reveal in our utter brokenness, in our stupidity. Amen? So AA, it, the image, the metaphor of, okay, you cannot, we've got to kill these things when we come into the land of Cana, all the people, men, women, children, animals, uh, this image is killing all the inhabitants of Cana means precisely giving away all the bottles in your liquor cabinet, the scotch, the bourbon, the wine, the gin, the beer, the vodka, and everything else that's in there. These wounds that incarnate in you, voice, voices that are against you, are for your downfall, your destruction, to destroy you. These voices that say, who do you think you are? I know your past. You're not lovable. You're not worthy. You never will be. You can't take the promised land and still keep a few quote-unquote Canaanites on the side or you will lose the promised land. Friends, what we're about is gaining the promised land. We're about binding ourselves to each other at, to fight against the world that wants to keep us forever from the promised land. This is the battle. If you don't know you're in the battle, 
you're losing it. Get in church. Practice. Bind. Arm in arm. Eyelash to eyelash. Jesus wants to reveal more than you would ever want him to reveal. But he'll never go until you truly invite. Don't be on the outside looking in. That's cold and deadly. To actually believe that we are unconditionally loved, we have to kill a few of the Canaanites. What is that for you? And as we do that, as we bind, as we go eyelash to eyelash, as we practice, as we're here, because it's number one, because there's nothing more important than love, and in the end there is nothing other than love or no love, we do this. And once we do that, and as we're doing that, and we are doing it, and you're doing a great job, but God just has much more for us, then you'll know. And I'll know that you are loved. And that will be the one and the only heartbeat of our community. Amen? So be it.